We know there are times where you're just too busy to sort through the mass of information that comes your way. So to make it easier for you to stay informed, subscribe to The Morning Agenda, WITF's news podcast, where the only agenda is you. Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like its Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC Heart and Vascular Institute. With experience, cutting-edge technology, and a collaborative approach, you'll receive the most advanced treatment. More at upmc.com slash centralpaheart. If you look up the definition of a griot, you'll see that it is an African historian, storyteller, praise singer, a member of a class of traveling poets, musician, and storytellers who maintain a tradition of oral history in parts of Africa. They are also known as poets and, of course, musicians, like I said. The griot is a repository of oral tradition and is often seen as a leader due to their position as an advisor to members of the royal family. And today, we have the glorious opportunity to speak with our own local griot, Lenwood Sloan. Hello, Lenwood. How are you doing today? Greetings to you all who can hear my voice. Voice and thank you for including me in such a proud parade of African Americans and Africans in America who hand down the stories to generations like yours. Yes, yes, indeed. So um, let's talk about your story first and and what brought you here to Central Pennsylvania. Uh, so um, so it, it it wasn't one of those things uh, where you chose to come here, but rather life chose for you. You know, Edward Albee has this line, sometimes you have to go a long distance out of your way to come back a short distance correctly. Mm. And that is how I wound up in central Pennsylvania. I'm a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania boy. I graduated from uh, Westinghouse High School, the Brow Bulldogs in Pittsburgh. Mm. And my goal was to be a dancer or to be a historian. And I have had the ability for those two roads to diverge in my life. Uh, I, I left Pittsburgh to go first to Temple University and mm-hmm. then from Temple to go to New York. And uh, then uh, had the opportunity to train with Joffrey Ballet and with Alvin Ailey Company wow. and to uh, study directing at the Juilliard School of Lincoln Center School for Directors. And, Found myself falling in love with New Orleans and mm-hmm. uh, went there to do a large project on Congo Square, which took me 15 years wow. to complete. Uh, but the project ended with Katrina. Mm. Um, uh, I was here uh, that August day uh, doing a project for. Uh, actually, for WITF. Oh, wow. <laughs> and uh, it, it was the Stephen Foster Project. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and um, Stephen Foster came from Pittsburgh. And I was here doing research for that. I was asked to stay to, to work on um, the 150th anniversary of the Civil War. And mm-hmm. while I was there, Katrina washed my house away. Wow. And so we were relocating. Uh, folks to Pennsylvania mm-hmm. 
5,000 New Orleanians were relocated to central Pennsylvania, and I was helping, and I thought, I better relocate myself. (laughs) that's how I came back. Uh, so, um, so some of some of your your immediate thoughts um, after that. Did you feel like, all right, well, I have to start completely over? Um, was it like there's some familiarity since it is my home state? What was your mindset then? Because of my father, mm-hmm. um, my father, I. Let me start over. Mm-hmm. So this year, in 2024, a, a gentleman by the name of Bob Welsh and I mm-hmm. are on what we call a Justa Justice campaign. Okay. Uh, people who say, oh, what are you making such a big deal about him for? He was just a, mm. a porter. Or he was just, just a, a, yeah. a, a engineer. Mm-hmm. Or he was just a real man. Or he was just a brotherhood of the sleeping car porter. Yeah. You know? So, you know, my father would go down in history as just a steel worker. Mm. But he was a 33-degree mason. Wow. He was a labor organizer. Mm. You know, and uh, so he had his children. If you wanted to go to college, the first thing you had to do was enter the Masonic Lodge's mm-hmm. oratory contest on the Negro and the 14th Amendment. Mm. And he would take you off to these oratory contests until you won enough money to go to college. And wow. I, that's how he, t- he taught all of this. So I was steeped in Pennsylvania's role mm-hmm. in the uh, what I call the Justice Amendments, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th, and the 19th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And that work that I was doing with the Civil War in Pennsylvania in general but the United States Colored Troops, mm-hmm. the 180,000 black men who fought uh, for the Union but were left out of history, mm. that, that, that's my next 15-year project, is, <laughs> to, is to give them just a justice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love it as as you should. Um, uh, so um, as, as a cultural advocate, uh, how do you perceive the role of storytelling in preserving and promoting heritage? Well, that's a very, very important question for uh, 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 a grill because the grill was empowered with the oral memory mm-hmm. of uh, and handing it down through enculturation. Yeah. So there's 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 a couple ways we learn. Enculturation is the, the handing down from one generation to the next through oral song and story. Mm-hmm the memory of the people and it passes into your memory and therefore into your DNA and on. Uh, acculturation is the outside influence on you that helps you shape your context in relationship to the world you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, the enculturation is to, is to first learn the stories. You have to, you First, you have to sit at somebody's feet. Yes, you know. Yes, you, it, you, uh, you can't be entrusted with the stories until you first learn them. Yeah, then live them, and through that lived experience, then you're able to pass them down. Mm, mm. So, um, so, so for you and and your lived experiences, 
Um, can can you uh, uh, take us to uh, some of your uh, favorite or most memorable um, historic memories? Oh, you know, I have. Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> Thank you very much for asking. I, I have been blessed. One of my most incredible memories mm-hmm. was a project that we were doing uh, called the Pennsylvania Hollowed Ground Project. Mm-hmm. And uh, the current director of the Pennsylvania Hollowed Ground Project is a very brilliant uh, Barbara Barksdale, who is the custodian uh, and CEO of the Midland Sympathy. Cemetery in Stilton, mm-hmm. and a shout out to uh, her. But we, the, the Pennsylvania Hollowed Ground Project was looking for black cemeteries. Mm-hmm. You know, we were as segregated in death as we were in life. Yeah, and those black cemeteries disappeared because either their towns or their barrows did not keep them up, or the church and civic benevolent organizations, or the, the lodge, or the auxiliary. They were lost through uh, eminent domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, one in Reading was covered over uh, asphalt to make a parking lot. Wow! For uh, for Applebee's. Uh, for Applebee's. Yes. Sheesh. One in York uh, in Red Line was uh, being overtaken by Pindot, mm. whose salt. Yard was pushing graves up into themselves. Wow. Uh, one uh, underneath uh, an overpass bridge outside of Columbia mm-hmm. was being lost by the continuous expansion of, of the lanes there. And um, But the one that answers your question was in Bucto. Mm-hmm. And it was a community of people in Bucto who had discovered not only an African-American cemetery, but the whole footprint of a little Africa village. Oh, wow. And the and the stone, cornerstones and things were still there and standing there. Wow. Just blew all my circuits, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and um, I was... I, I, I realized that generations of black people mm-hmm. had struggled, thrived, rose up, and then fell into obscurity again. Mm. And that this is a this is not a spiral upward for African Americans. Yeah. This is a pendulum. Mm. You know, and it swings to its full arc, yeah. and then it begins to come back on us. We're now in the coming back period. Yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, if we don't remember how they survived, this is not about history. This is mm-hmm. about footprints, blueprints. Mm-hmm. You know, plans, strategies mm-hmm. of how brothers and sisters got over, and 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 uh, they leave us the memory. All we have to do. Is take it on and take it up. Mm. So, yes, and uh, one of the memories uh, that that you left for all of us um, is is that monument uh, right outside of the Capitol uh, here here in Harrisburg, um, celebrating um, celebrating Juneteenth, but also so much more. Um, can you go into detail about what exactly uh, is that monument and what it took? 
to get it uh, erected. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So I have the privilege of being the executive director of an organization called the International Institute for Peace Through Tourism, Mm. IIPT. It's a global organization in its 35th year that was started by uh, United Nations and UNESCO Mm. and is now a freestanding organization. Their vision was that by 2024, they would have 2,400 peace parks Mm -hmm. or peace places where communities could gather and stand on the same common ground, you know, uh, across all 24 time zones. Mm -hmm. Uh, COVID kind of knocked them off off their timeline. But in 2017, the capital city of Pennsylvania, which is Harrisburg and Dolphin County, was designated as official global heritage Mm -hmm. site for the peace park. And we did our first project across the Riverfront Park where we called it a, 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 an Adopt the Monument project. Mm. It was a time when communities were talking about taking Confederate monuments down and how do you negotiate public art in public places. Mm. And we were talking to communities along the river, kind of like, um, I'm trying to, like, uh, uh, Boardwalk towns. Okay, yeah. You, you know, like Cape May mm-hmm. or Rehoboth, yeah. where people walk down the river, mm-hmm. you know, and there's all these streets that go off for a few blocks. So we would look at the people in the four blocks of Shypoak mm-hmm. Riverfront to deal with this monument, and the people within four blocks of Market Street, and all the way up the river, not trying to make a, 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 citywide movement mm-hmm. but a movement of neighborhoods okay. who took care of the peace monuments mm-hmm. along the river so we uh, we did our first two year project and we helped restore several uh, monuments we worked with the Jewish community with the Holocaust and we discovered that there wasn't a single African American monument on the river of all the incredible things so we went looking for a place where we could do our next peace park or peace place. Mm-hmm. And we found the corner of 4th and Walnut in Harrisburg at a sign that said, Frederick Douglass spoke here in 1858 to the people of the old 8th Ward about the power of the vote. We're wow. Like, Bang. This is it. Right here. <laughs> yeah. We're going to put a statue mm-hmm. on this spot. And, and that was the plan. To, and so historians got together, scholars got together, they put this list together, and there were a hundred names on the list. Mm. And uh, which one we were going to do a statue. Thomas Chester floated immediately up for a lot of reasons, and you all can Google his name. Mm-hmm. But the list only had five women on it. On the original list that the historians put together, we mm-hmm. went to the original sources, and this is about a micro uh, racism kind of thing. You know, mm. Because you go to the available history, but if that history is exclusive, if the voice mm. in that history is exclusive, so the reason why there were only five women is we found no women in the sources that we looked. Mm. And the women on our committee said, that ain't good enough, brothers. Y'all got to, <laughs> y'all got to fix that. We are happy that we readjusted the list. Mm. And we came up with a list that had 38 women wow. of the 100 names. 
the committee got the idea to honor all hundred names, mm -hmm. and that instead of taking uh, putting the statue on a pedestal, you know, above all of us, mm -hmm. we would use the pedestal to put the hundred names on, oh. and there there would be someone standing like Frederick Douglass as an orator. Mm -hmm. So now the list got down to twenty, and twenty got down to. Uh, four, and the four were Francis Harper, William Howard Day, uh, Jacob Compton, and Thomas Morris Chester, and they speak for the hundred mm. around this orator's pedestal. It was called a gathering at the crossroads, and again, it was the first monument on any state capitol that was dedicated to the vote, mm. and particularly the 13th, 14th, 15th, and 19th Amendment. But the community had a different way of looking at it. Mm -hmm. They call it the Eighth Ward Monument. And that's what I well, heard. <laughs> because they didn't look at the four statues. They looked at the hundred names. Mm. You know, they were like, all these people <laughs> lived here where the capital, all these people were displaced yeah. from eminent domain to build a park. Mm. All these people were scattered across the Mid-Atlantic, and that's when Messiah University and the Council for Independent Colleges gave us a uh, grant to begin to search for the families. Wow. And so 2024 is called the Homecoming Jubilee for Democracy, mm -hmm. and working with Harrisburg University and Messiah University, we are reaching out across the Mid-Atlantic states and inviting the descendants who have scattered for generations to come home. We can't rebuild their neighborhood like Disneyland, mm -hmm. but we can be, rebuild their pride, yes. their faith, their endurance, you know, they're, they're just gathering together, mm -hmm. you know, that we are not silos in this struggle. And we hope, because we're doing it at the height of June, that they will remember that the way to honor these hundred is to vote. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So, um, so how uh, um how how did you come to that concept of 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 what we see now in front of the Capitol? Like like you um said that you whittled it down to to these four names to these four people and 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 you have the um uh, speaker's pedestal, but the the exact design of it did you? work with um, um, a third party? Did you create it yourself? How how did that creation become? Um, those who know me within the sound of my voice know that I, I've had about 40 years of work in public art mm. and, and, and uh, art in public places. So our first task was to find where do we want to place this monument? Mm -hmm. And we used that stat, that, that sign that said Frederick Douglass spoke here to these people mm -hmm. and we named it a gathering at the crossroads mm -hmm. the crossroads of the 100th anniversary of the 19th amendment and the crossroads of the 150th anniversary of, of the 15th amendment that was supposed to be June 2020 of course we were in COVID mm -hmm. and so we were going to a crossroads in time mm -hmm. and we were also using the notion that, that Douglass came here so we applied to the Department of General Services to ask them to place 
the statue on the on the grounds. They require that we submit complete drawings for three sites, including uh, what are called PA one drawings about how are you going to keep the your statue up? What is it going to do <laughs> yeah. to the ground? You mm-hmm. know uh, what's underneath it. So you know we had to go through. No, never thinking about. We were thinking about art. You mm-hmm. know, never thinking about are there electrical currents under there? Are there oak wow. tree roots? We had to have an artery, arboretum uh, secure that we were not interrupting the roots. We mm-hmm. had to, the very brilliant John Melliman Associate Architects had to sink a 2,000 pound concrete block into the South Lawn to support the bronzes. Oh, wow. Uh, there had to be soil. I mean, you know, there, it's, it's a STEM um, a a um, a call from our communities across Pennsylvania who had recently commissioned new works mm-hmm. uh, was given, and uh, from that call, four companies were selected to be interviewed, both by us and by the Department of General Services. We selected Becky Alt and Art Research in Lancaster because it is the only woman-owned monument company. Oh, well, uh, <coughs> Lenwood, I would tell you this. Uh, th- this has been um, both insightful and delightful. Um, I-, I feel like, I, I say say this a lot, um, but but I feel like we, we not even scratched the surface uh, uh, yet. But um, black history in, in our own backyard, th- this has been spectacular. I appreciate you coming in. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Visit and- the monument. 